Welcome back to another edition of the On The Rocks podcast presented by the Denver Post. This is sports writer Kyle Newman, joined as usual by my colleague Patrick Saunders, talking an array of off-season topics following the conclusion of the Rockies' 2021 season, including Bill Schmidt being named the general manager permanently, new deals for Antonio Sensatella and CJ Crone, Trevor Story, what's his deal as we go forward here into the offseason, the hot stove warms up, and who do the Rockies need to be a breakout player to have success, any sort of moderate success in 2022? We'll be talking a couple names, throwing around some names there. So Patrick, we'll start off with the news of really last week, and that's Bill Schmidt being named the fourth general manager in Rockies franchise history. Obviously, a lot of uproar from some of the fans who you know, accuse the, the Rockies of complacency and settle, settling for mediocrity. But what, I mean, what do you make of the move? What were your immediate thoughts as you kind of broke this down? Well, immediate thought was it was completely expected, right? I mean, I think I wrote weeks and weeks ago right. that Schmidt was likely the guy because everybody I talked with in the organization, uh, both those currently with the organization and some who have left, all said it's pretty much a no-brainer. The Rockies are going to stay in-house, promote Bill Schmidt to permanent GM. And that was those tea leaves were basically from like the middle of the summer on, right? Yeah, and, really. I yeah. mean, there was you know, and when the Rockies did start performing better, uh, I think that only solidified everybody's opinion that that was going to happen. Um, the fans are upset, and, and I understand why. Uh, the Rockies had said when Jeff Breidich stepped aside way back in April, uh, and they promoted Bill Schmidt to the interim GM, that they were going to conduct a search at the end of the year. Well, obviously they didn't do that. They stayed in-house, and they didn't interview anybody. Uh, they basically said, Bill Schmidt, uh, you're our guy. Very quickly, their reasonings, they think he's got great communication skills. They like the fact that he knows the organization inside and out. Uh, And let's face it, it's the Rockies' way. Uh, The Rockies remain the most insular organization in Major League Baseball. Uh, They like to do things their way, even though they have nine winning seasons and 29 years of baseball. Those of us, myself included, who thought, they need to shake things up. They need to go outside the organization, at least give it a shot. Well, they didn't do it. Uh, but I think we all kind of could see the writing on the wall. Having said that, Kyle, uh, personally, I like Bill Schmidt. Uh, he does have a good relationship with uh, almost everybody in the organization, which is a good thing, as opposed to its predecessor, Jeff Breidich, who turned a lot of people off. It's no question about that. But I guess my contention would still be, are the Rockies going to do things the same same old? And if they are, how far does that get them? Because Bill Schmidt is continuing to say, you know, we are a draft and develop organization. Well, I understand that. They are. The, their size of the market that they are, what they have to play with in altitude. I understand that. But I also think they need some fresh perspectives, some fresh ideas. Uh, 
hopefully Bill Schmidt will be able to hire a couple people. They have hired a few baseball analysts already. Um, hopefully Bill Schmidt will be more wide open uh, and more communicative uh, with other teams for the possibility of trades, uh, more communicative with agents for the possibility of some free agent signings. And hopefully he'll have better baseball judgment than Jeff Breidich did. Right? Hopefully they don't sign somebody like Ian Desmond for five years and $70 million. And hopefully they don't take a flyer on three relievers for $106 million, uh, that got them a little bit of success and then came back to haunt them. So best of luck to Bill Schmidt, but I would have preferred that he at least went outside the organization, at least explored it a little bit, and they didn't do it. On the Rocks podcast, that's Patrick Saunders. This is Kyle Newman. So along with that Bill Schmidt promotion, Danny Montgomery got promoted and Zach Rosenthal got promoted. So obviously two pretty key guys within the Rockies power structure there and Danny Montgomery, an original Rockies hire. And then another facet of this too, you know, we talked earlier in the season, hey, Bud Black, you know, what's his future going to look like here? He's entering the final year of his deal in 2022. But it would seem to me that, especially with, like you said, how the Rockies played much better down the stretch of the season this year, Bill Schmidt being hired as the permanent GM bodes well for Bud Black's future here beyond 2022. Do you Any thoughts on that, Patrick? Yeah, you know, I've actually asked Buddy this question because you're right. He has one year left on his contract. Uh, no question he's going to be around for 2022. Uh, and Buddy was, was pretty vague about um, anything beyond 2022. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't want to come back. But he also didn't make it sound to me like he had plans to remain in Colorado long term. So I think the bottom line is, Kyle, that 2022 is, you know, it's a put up or shut up season for the Rockies and for Bud Black, too. And I'm not saying, you know, if the Rockies have a losing season in 2022, it's going to all hang on Bud Black. But at that point... If he's with the out of contract, the Rockies aren't making progress. He might decide he wants to go in a new direction, then the Rockies might as well. But to your point, I think he and Bill Schmidt, uh, you know, they're they're in lockstep. They still they both have the same vision for this franchise. But as you know, Buddy basically gets along with almost everybody. Right. I mean, Buddy got along with Jeff Breidich, where many people in the organization, it's no secret, did not. And certainly none of us in the media did, or most of us in the media did not. Um, but if I had, if, I think, if, bottom line, Kyle, I think it's too early to say whether Bud Black will be with the Rockies beyond 2022, because they have not had any discussions about a contract extension with him. And then one final note on Bill Schmidt's hiring. You know, you, you mentioned Schmidt sticking to that draft and build philosophy that the Rockies have embraced and we've seen it pay off in, in some respects i.e a mostly homegrown rotation in other respects not so much now albuquerque and hartford the triple and double a clubs really struggled this year about the lower levels of the minors a lot of team success a lot of the more highly touted prospects i.e zach Veen, michael tolia etc so lots of promising signs there for the future and my opinion opinion of, of the critics Rockies' last couple drafts have been pretty good. So 
we're, the arrow is up in that sense. Now, will it translate to the big league level and how soon? That's an altogether different question, but we'll be tracking that, of course. Well, yeah, and one more point on that, and, and I know a lot of the critics of Bill Schmidt and the Rockies like to note that over the last, I would guess, four years, I think, in terms of the rankings, the national rankings of farm systems, the Rockies have been way down. They've right. certainly been in the bottom ten, and most of the time they've been in the bottom five. And that's true. However, you also have to realize that those rankings are very cyclical. The Rockies before that were in pretty decent position, but a lot of those guys graduated onto the majors. I.e. Trevor you Story, know, David Dahl, Kyle Freeman, Exactly. Yeah. You know, all those guys. That's true. Now, there are some farm systems that year after year after year produce player after player after player. Uh, the Dodgers certainly rank up there. Um, the Cardinals typically are very good. The Padres have been very good on that, but of course the Padres at the major league level keep keep blowing it. But uh, so I'm not defending the rankings, but I'm just saying people need to take that in perspective. Rankings for minor league systems are very cyclical, uh, and the Rockies are in a down cycle right now. And folks, on the Rocks podcast, that's Patrick Saunders. This is Kyle Newman. Moving on with the show here as we spend enough time on Bill Schmidt and company. And Bill Schmidt wasting no time as the new official Rockies GM. Earlier this week, he locked up starter Antonio Sensatella, a five-year, $50.5 million deal, and also re-signed first baseman C.J. Crone to a two-year, $14.5 million deal. So Sensatella, one of those homegrown guys, He's really came on strong last couple years, a ground ball pitcher. They, they really like how he forecasts in the future. And then Crone adding that much needed power to the lineup after coming here in spring training, you know, basically having to battle his way onto the roster into a major league contract this year. So what do you make of those moves? Is, is that a good rate for Senza to lock him down? And will Crone continue, you know, what he did this year over those next two years at, at, at that rate? Well, I'll start with Sensa. Uh, I think it was a really smart move. Uh, in this day and age, when starting pitching uh, for the Rockies, particularly, is hard to find. Spending that much uh, for a contract extension, um, I think it's a it's kind of a bargain. Uh, very much like Armand Marquez is a bargain. I think uh, Sensa, you're right. He's a ground ball pitcher. Uh, he doesn't rank very high in strikeouts, which is the trend these days. That doesn't mean he doesn't have the firepower to get strikeouts. Uh, if you look at it down the stretch, the two best pitchers, starting pitchers for the Rockies, say the last you know, third or so of the season, were Kyle Freeland and Antonio Sanzatella. Uh, Austin Gomer, of course, was on the injured list. Uh, John Gray was not good in his last eight or nine starts. And Armand Marquez was all over the map in the last third of the season. A bunch of us were in the press box one day and we were saying, hey, if, if the Rockies had a you know a wild card play-in game, uh, a must-win one-game situation, you know who would you put on the mound right now, considering how the players were performing toward the end? Uh, I don't think anybody picked Marquez because he wasn't very good toward the end. Most of us picked either Freeland, which in my case was who I picked, but a couple of the other writers, beat writers, picked Sensatella. Uh, I think Bud Black has really, really liked what he's seen from Sensa. Uh, he thinks he's turned the corner. 
he's gone from essentially a good fastball, mediocre slider pitcher to a guy with a still a good fastball, an improving slider, a pretty good curve, and improved changeup. He's become, you know, Bud Blacklight's pitchers who pitch, and sense has become that. Uh, and they love his demeanor. Uh, overall, uh, I think it was a really, really smart move by the Rockies. What do you think? You know, I'm with you, and I, I put this in the kind of the same category as the Armand Marquez deal, a long-term, pretty club-friendly deal to get, like you said, top-quality starting pitching. I mean, not not top-quality in Senza's case, but a, a good middle-of-the-rotation guy, and maybe even with a higher ceiling than that if he continues what he was doing in the second half of this year. But also, to your point, if the Rockies are going to be a draft-and-build organization, like Bill Schmidt says, and like they've been trying to do, you know, for the last decade or, or so, they've got to make deals like this because they can't let their most promising pitchers that they've developed and they've brought onto the major league scene and are coming into their own then get away in the free agent market, in my opinion. Because you're, you're not going to get, you know, top quality free agent pitchers to come sign here, as we've seen. Just pitchers don't want to come here or the Rockies – could get them, but they might have to overpay. So as we've seen before, and mostly with relievers there, and then obviously going even back to Mike Hampton. But to my point, you got to lock these, you know, Marquez's, Senzatella's down, John Gray, I think another guy, because when you hit on one, it's, it's, it's tough to hit on those guys who can become rotational pillars in the draft and build process, especially with the elevation in, in, in play. So when you hit on them, you got to keep them around for as long as they're effective. So, you know, hat tip for that. Now, Chrome, whether he can be that be that power supply, I think they're going to be need more around him, which leads me to my next topic, Patrick. You know, what else do you think Bill Schmidt needs to address? He, he, he addressed this with you earlier this month. And what about Trevor Story as he enters a pretty loaded free agent shortstop market that will really start to cook up after the end of the postseason? Well, real quick, let's backtrack just a teeny bit on Chrome. I think it was a good signing, uh, reasonable, $14.5 million for two years. He's 31 now. As you mentioned, um, Tolia is going to be due up here in a few years, so hopefully he's their first baseman of the future. So bridging that gap. Exactly. And, you know, hey, 28 home runs from Cronia. He led the team. Uh, his home road splits were drastic. I mean, really drastic. Right. Uh, like, you know, almost double production at home versus road. He's got to get better at that. Uh, but he played decent first base. Um, I think it was a smart move because clearly the Rockies, you know, if they have designs on finding another power hitter, uh, which they need to do, um, getting Crone for that amount of money, uh, given his production, was pretty solid. And I think most Rockies fans would agree that being proactive and nailing him down was good. Because let's face it, Cronin never had more than a one-year deal uh, past arbitration. Right. Um, but the fact that the Rockies were able to get him for two two years, 14 and a half, tells you that it, it wasn't like Crone was the hot commodity out there. I'm not knocking him, uh, but the Rockies were proactive and said, listen, we're going to give you the money now. You know, take it now. You have security here. You like Denver. Etc. So good move. Now going on to um, Trevor's story, you know it's interesting. I've seen a lot of people 
uh, in the media, on Twitter, etc., saying, well, you know, the Rockies have to show them the money. Uh, well, the problem is, Kyle, and I think you know this, this isn't just about money. This is, this is about Trevor Story wanting to play for a team and an organization he thinks is going to win in the near future. And talking you know, to Trevor and other people in baseball, you know, Trevor's not going to get a Francisco Lindor contract. He's not going to get $310 million. He's just not. So, but he's still going to get a good offer from a number of teams. And if the money uh, is decent and that team is either potentially about to turn around or is already a contender, that's where he's going to go. It's not that he hates the Rockies, the organization. He loves the Rockies. He likes the people in it. There's no animosity here. It's not Nolan Arenado Part 2. It's not. But at the same time, it's very clear to me that priority number one for Trevor is playing for a winner. And that's why he was upset at the trade deadline, because he thought, uh, rightly or wrongly, he was under the impression he had a chance to maybe go to a competing team this year. He was bummed out when it didn't happen. So... If people say, oh, the Rockies just don't have the money to pony up, that's only part of it. It's This is a lot more, this is about a lot more than just money. This is about Trevor Story finding a place where he thinks he can win and win soon. Of course, Patrick will keep tracking that as the storyline develops at DenverPost.com slash Rockies and all of Bill Schmidt and company's offseason moves as we move forward here throughout the playoffs and really get into the hot stove season come November, December. So real quick on the playoffs, you mentioned story one to go to a contender. Well, we saw everyone's favorite Nolan Arnato playing for a contender in the NL wildcard game the other night. And the Cardinals get their heart broken on a walk-off home run by Chris Taylor as the nemesis Dodgers advance and triumph once again, uh, advancing into the divisional round. But Nolan 0 for 4 in that game. And, you know, the... The haters will say, well, there he is not showing up in the postseason again. Overall, he's 4 for 27 in the postseason, 160 average with one home run. Now, granted, it's a pretty small sample size, but you get to the postseason, they are small sample sizes. So what do you make of his lack of production in October so far, Patrick? Well, it's disappointing. I mean, he wanted the big stage, Kyle. Uh, and I'm not, not knocking Nolan. You... You love Nolan. I love Nolan as a player and as a person. No secret there. But you know what? If you want the big stage uh, and you're an all-star, you know, you got to come through. And he has not been been a difference maker in any postseason game he's played in yet. Granted, it's a small number of games. uh, But the Cardinals, and I don't have the exact number in front of me, but clearly they were 0 for, I think it was 10, 0 for maybe 11 or 12 runners in scoring position, and I think Nolan came up with at least two chances to drive in a run, and he wasn't able to do it. And let's be honest, he didn't look good at the plate. Uh, I thought he was pressing. Uh, He took pitches down the middle uh, that he didn't fire on, and then he popped up or grounded out weakly on pitches that he couldn't do anything with. Um, It was clear that he was at a disadvantage in those games. Now, most of the hitters in that one-game playoff on both sides 
you know, outside of uh, uh, Taylor, like you mentioned, um, you know, most of the players were on their heels. They were at a disadvantage. But Nolan has a reputation as a, as a run producer. He hit great with sco- runners in scoring position this year for the Cardinals, um, one of the highest averages in baseball. And I'm not saying Nolan had deer in the headlights. That'd be unfair. Uh, but he had a chance to produce, and he didn't. And I'm sure Nolan understands that, too, and I'm sure he's very disappointed. I wanted the Cardinals to win. I wanted to see Nolan go on to a bigger stage, see what he would do in a five-game playoff against the Giants and maybe beyond. Uh, but he's going to have to wait another year, just like the Rockies. He just got one game more. Yeah, I was also rooting for the Cards. But, hey, I think Dodgers-Giants is going to be a heck of a series. Great for baseball as well. But, you know, like you mentioned, and a game that could have been decided by one swing from the cards, and it was eventually by the Dodgers. Nolan 0 for 4 in a 1 to 1 game. I mean, that's that's tough to swallow, especially for a guy who, like you said, made a huge ruckus and a bit of a dust storm going out of town uh, to try and get to a winner like St. Louis. So, of course, St. Louis will probably be in contention again next year while the Rockies, you know, fighting for that. Maybe not so much. Road's pretty steep as you've written about at DiverPost.com slash Rockies. And this is the On the Rocks podcast, Kyle Newman, Patrick Saunders. We will close the show forecasting a little bit towards next season. And as you, as I just mentioned and you've written, the road is pretty steep for the Rockies to get back into contention. But for them to do that, of course the pitching is going to have to be solid. Let's, let's bat around a name or two. Who is one young guy, or maybe not a young guy, maybe a mid-young guy, who really has to break out? For the Rockies to become, you know, that team, a team that can maybe contend for a wild card or, you know, bless our hearts, the first divisional t- title in three decades of baseball here. Yeah. Well, if I had to pick one guy, and this is a reach because he's got a long way to go to be a difference maker. To me, Kyle, the most intriguing guy right now is Sam Hilliard. Because anybody who pays attention to the Rockies knows the guy's skill set. He's big, he's 6'5", 235, he's fast. I think he's in the top 93 percentile in elite speed. I mean, the guy has got the tools. Got a decent arm, he can play center field. He can hit for power, as we all know, but he strikes out way too much. His on-base percentage is really bad. Um, You know, he struck out the last two years at at an over 36% clip. That can't continue. He knows it, Bud Black knows it, the organization knows it. So one of the reasons he's going to play winter ball this year in the Dominican, um, they've retooled his swing. So can Sam Hilliard do it? You know, he's, he's 28 right now. Uh, I don't know. My, uh, my contention is, though, if he can find a way to cut down on the strikeouts, find a way to get on base more, be a more productive hitter, and produce power at a more regular basis and play a solid center field, that would be like getting a good, solid free agent pickup to me. If Sam Hilliard can do that, that's a big if right now because he's had his chances. Um, we'll see. But he, to me, Kyle, he is probably the most intriguing player right now of the position players on the Rockies roster. And I'll be very interested to see what he looks like in spring training next year and in the early stages of 2022. Yeah, really intriguing player. A lot of risk, but also a lot of upside in his future. But then also, I should mention, 
great guy too and a great yeah. you know, family guy his, his family's battle against ALS his father recently passed away so uh really you know he's a guy you can go up to before batting practice and he will always give you the time of day no matter what so you know he's a guy you root for now on my end I'm gonna say I'm gonna throw out two names that are gonna have to come on strong for the Rockies to be any sort of relevant in 2022 that's Brendan Rodgers I know he had a pretty good season this year, hit 284, had 15 homers in 102 games. But I don't see Trevor Story coming back. He's going to have to be the guy. He's going to have to fulfill all the prophecies about him, uh, you know, playing shortstop and maybe a little bit of second base too, depending on what the Rockies do. And then also I'm going to say Ryan Rollison. Obviously his season got derailed by appendicitis or appendix surgery, and then he had a broken hand, finger thing on off a comebacker so kind of almost a lost season after the 2020 covid season kind of derailed things but i'm looking for him to debut and maybe make some noise as a rookie it's going to be i know it's tough as a rookie to sustain that peter lambert remember he had a couple really good starts and then his rookie season went off the rails but they're going to need some starting pitching help can ryan rollison give it if they get anything out of him or a moderate season that'd be a huge plus I agree with that. That's a, that's a good that's a good pick. You know, a couple points there, Kyle, regarding Brendan Rodgers. There are some people in the organization who are not sold on him as a shortstop. Right, as a second baseman, right? And that's why yeah. I'm kind of like, well, he's got to be the guy, but wait. Well, they you know, and he doesn't like that. He thinks of himself as a shortstop. Right. I'm just telling you, people I've talked to in the organization think he is going to be a better big league second baseman uh, than he will be a shortstop. So who's your shortstop um, and he next has, year? And he has, well, that's the question. <laughs> and there are those who I've talked to who think maybe the best thing for the Rockies to do is is don't worry about power from shortstop because you might already have power in production from second base. And what you need from shortstop is a really, really slick fielder. In other words, maybe don't worry about a Trevor Story replacement in terms of power at the plate at shortstop worry more about finding a replacement shortstop who's going to give you, you know, really excellent fielding. That remains to be seen, but that is one of the theories uh, that's being batted around by the Rockies. Um, and in regard to Rawlison, you know, he might be more even more important than what you were discussing because it's not a guarantee at this point that John Gray's coming back. Right. Um, now, I was, if you had asked me a month and a half ago or a month ago, is John Gray coming back? I would have said 95% yes. I'm much less certain now um, just because of conversations I've had and the fact that the Sensatella deal, I'm not saying that precludes John Gray being re-signed, but John didn't pitch very well down the stretch. Um, from what I've gathered, uh, the Rockies have reached out and their early uh, offers were not accepted by the John Gray camp. So there's some give and take there. And every time you ask uh, Bud Black or Bill Schmidt about John Gray, you essentially get, well, he's, you know, it's up to John. They've said that repeatedly. So as much as John Gray has said he wants to come back, he and his uh, representation, they may be looking for something the Rockies aren't willing to give them, either in terms of money or years on a contract. Um, so I would not guarantee that John Gray is going to be part of the Rockies rotation. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm not nearly as certain as I was. 
course, we'll be tracking all that at DenverPost.com slash Rockies. That will just about do it for today's show on the On the Rocks podcast. Appreciate you listening in to Kyle Newman alongside Patrick Saunders. Again, DenverPost.com slash Rockies for continued coverage of the club throughout the offseason. And until next time, folks, take it easy. easy.